Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with Pastoral Counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. Let's go to Acts 5. And as we've been going through the book of Acts, so much has already happened, right? So much going on. But finally, the Spirit of God, um, Holy Spirit has fallen. They've received the Spirit. They're speaking in tongues, in different tongues, diverse tongues, it said. People are being saved. They're believing. And, and things are happening. And we've already seen them go to jail. And they've come out of it. So plenty is happening. The Spirit of God is moving exactly like it's supposed to, exactly like it said it would. It does have that connection to Genesis 10, uh, the fulfilling. It's the uh, beginnings of the Genesis 10 experience, I guess you want to call it. We've also seen Peter bring up, we'll call it, I'm going to call it loosely his gospel, but it's the gospel. And the way he'll word it is interesting, right? You'll see him connecting Jesus to God somehow, some way. There will be some sort of connection in, like in in our case, the verses, and how he'll uh, explain that. And then somehow he'll bring up, the the Messiah or the Christ that you guys crucified, that you guys killed. So just in case you forgot, he'll go off and poke their eyes. And then he will tie Yahweh to Jesus. Uh, pretty interesting. So uh, anyway, that's kind of a, in a nutshell there thus far. And now we get to chapter 5. We'll probably camp out in the beginning. I want to try to finish this chapter, but let's just see what happens here. This part here connects to all the socialistic kind of things that we were talking about before, about how the, the church is being taken care of, people are selling their stuff, though it isn't socialism. They didn't have socialism back then. I have to make that very, very clear again, because we keep seeing this happen, but again, it doesn't last forever. That's the key thing. And you're going to see another piece added to why it isn't socialism. Because remember, socialism is you must do this. Okay, that is the idea of socialism. You, we all must do this for socialism to work. It isn't so much of a choice, where capitalism has the aspect of a choice. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? I underline the word lie. I think that's the important part here. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Verse 4 is the key part with the whole socialism, this is socialism argument. Notice what Peter says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Meaning, you had a choice, this was yours. And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. What does verse 4 mean? The idea, it, it was yours, wasn't it? You know, you sold it. The funds were at your disposal, right? I mean, the point is you had a choice. You were allowed to not give it or give it. But you lied. That's the issue. Do you see? It's not that you didn't give. That's what verse 4 is talking about. You had a choice throughout the entire thing. You didn't have to do it. But you chose to do it. But then you chose to lie. And notice that's where he ends here in verse 4. You've not lied to men, but to God. That's two times now he brings up the lying issue. Verse 3 and 4. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last breath, and great fear came upon all who heard it. So notice, he dies, and then great fear comes. All right, that's important. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Now remember, in the beginning, it talked about how his wife 
knew of what was going on, right? So she's an accomplice. She's a part of the story here. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, uh, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? So notice first it was lying, and now you're testing the spirit. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. So geez, what a proclamation, huh? Immediately, okay, I'm going to get mad here for a second. This is totally, has nothing to do with the Bible. But sometimes, man, don't you like feel like that? It's like, you know, by the hand of the Lord, man, I, some people need to be carried out of here. But notice where he's coming from. Now, I say that for us, but usually it's for personal reasons. <laughs> Does that make sense? Peter's isn't a personal reason. All right, so sorry, but that's where we are. Immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last breath, or breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. And that is the key thing. Again, notice what happened the first time. Remember I said he breathes his last breath, he dies, and then what happens? They fear. Here again, she dies, and then what happens? Great fear comes upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. So I'm going to discuss this for for a little bit and see how long it takes. I I hope we can get through it quickly. So let's talk uh, gospel. Everyone who believes in the gospel is saved. Are you being judged for sin? No. Sin is on the cross now, right? If we as Christians commit a sin, do we go to hell? Well, if you believe in Jesus, no. Sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. They are forgiven. That's pretty clear. That's what salvation is. That's Christianity 101. But we have a dilemma here, don't we? On the surface, we see two people who lied. Now, we all lie. Everyone lies. Everyone has lied. Everyone will lie. Okay, let's, let's just be honest. But why haven't we died? Why haven't we taken our last breath like Ananias and Sapphira? Because some people will look at this and say, oh, here's a contradiction. Here's an issue. Besides the socialist argument, which is absurd. We've already discussed that. I'm not going to go there. But we have a sin. So here's the difference. Let's, uh, let's, again, let's go a little Old Testament, and then we'll bring it to the New Testament. Let's go to 1 John 5. So what we just read in Acts 5 has a, has a very close connection to this here. 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 16. It says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. So, wow, that's uh, pretty dark. But I thought we're all forgiven, right? Our, our sins are forgiven. So there is a category of sin that leads to death. And that, this is an important piece. So what does that mean, John? All right, now I'm more confused. Let's just trace it back. Let's go to Numbers 15. Let's see where it's coming from, and then we'll, we'll bring it to the New Testament. Now, we're going to go Old Testament. We're going to read Old Testament laws. Now, are we under the Mosaic law? Absolutely not. We are not. What we're doing is we want to see the, the thought, the thought pattern that is being brought from the Old Testament. And I, I think it's going to make sense in a bit here. Numbers 15, and I'm going to go to verse 22. It says here, But if you sin unintentionally, so if you sin unintentionally, and do not observe all these commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by Moses from the day that the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then if it was done unintentionally, without the knowledge of the congregation, all the congregation shall offer one bull from their herd for a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its uh, drink offering, on and on with all the offerings. So let's talk unintentional here. We do the sacrifices, there's forgiveness. In a nutshell, right? Is that a good way to put it? All right, verse 25, And the priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the people of Israel, and they shall be forgiven. There you go. Because it was a mistake, 
and they have brought their offering, a food offering to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their mistake. And all the congregation, verse 26, of the people of Israel shall be forgiven, and the stranger who sojourns among them, because the whole population was involved in the mistake. If one person sins unintentionally, he shall offer a female goat, a year old for a sin offering. On and on it goes, right? Priest shall make atonement before the Lord. Verse 29, you shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally. So everything is so far what? Unintentional. Do you, you guys see that? But the person who does anything with a high hand, the idea of a high hand, it's an ancient picture. There would be statues of like, say, a king or a deity with kind of like fists kind of raised in the air. And the idea is, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, no one can tell me what to do. That's the idea of a high hand. It's, it's presumptuous. Yeah, it is. It's I do what I want kind of idea, right? I call the shots. That's a high hand, the, the idea of a high hand. But the person who does anything with a high hand or presumptuous or a presumptuous manner, whether he is native or sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people. So you see what happens there? So unintentional, we got it, okay? Sacrifices are forgiven, but a high hand. High hand gets something different here. So a person shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. But this is interesting. He has despised the word of the Lord and has trampled basically on, on God's commandment. That person shall utterly cut off his iniquity shall be on him. So check this out. We have unintentional and it goes all the way to a high hand. What about the intentional? Intentional sin. This is not an intentional sin because, well, let's explain this for a second and, and you'll see more as we read. There's unintentional. Okay, that, that happens. I didn't know it. I didn't realize it or I, I just missed it. Then there's intentional. Let's just be real. Like lying. I mean, sometimes we intentionally lie. Were you sick? Oh yeah, I'm so sick. I can't make it to work. Yeah, that's that's a lie, right? It's intentional. Okay. It is premeditated, if you will. Is that a high hand though? Is that a high hand sin, if you will? No, it's not. It's not. It doesn't go that extreme. Why? Because this is the one who despises the word of the Lord. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure, I feel confident to say this, but if you lie about going to work or fake that you're sick, it's not a good idea. Don't do that, okay, obviously. But that's not hell-worthy, okay? That's not hell-worthy, and that isn't a high hand, okay? That is, though it is intentional, I hope this makes sense. If it was a high hand, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Let's kind of see it all come together here. So, okay, 1 Samuel 15, 22, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than fat of rams. For rebellion... For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. So there's a rebellious heart here. Despises the word of the Lord is, is what we said. A rebellious heart. Because that's what rebellion is in certain contexts, right? You're rebelling against what is, for example, what's right, right? Or what, what is the normal, if that makes sense. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So how would the priests know? There's just certain things. There are just certain actions that are just... We just will not accept that. So some obvious ones, maybe Old Testament. I'm thinking this off the top of my head is like divination, obviously. <laughs> you're clearly, or sacrificing to an idol, you're out of here, man. I mean, we can't have any of that. So, so it's very clear. It's, it, there isn't really a question about that action. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 5, there's another you know, famous couple of verses that many people will uh, or know. So 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. So verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. So notice, notice what he says. Let me repeat that. It's reported that there is sexual immorality among you 
and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. So do you see how evident that is? It's, it's something that's not even accepted by even the outsiders. Excuse me. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this to be removed from among you. And there, you see what just happened? Let him who does this be what? If you will, cut off from among you. It's the same idea. So is this an Old Testament law that's being brought into the, into the New Testament? No, it isn't. But the concept is there. There are certain things that are intolerable. There are certain things that you will not tolerate. There are just certain, like this. This is a perfect example. For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit, and as present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. And that's what's happening here. There is a judgment that's pronounced. But let's make this very clear. Is this New Testament? In the New Testament being cut off. They're, they're cut off from the group, right? But what's the judgment? To hell? Or is the judgment you're being cut off from our group, from us? It's number two. From our perspective. I mean, we can't damn anyone to hell. That's, that's none of our places to do. That's God's. All we can do is, again, a case like this. Well, you're cut off from the group. You're cut off from this church. In fact, it's not a good idea for us to even socialize together because you are at this extreme level. Does that make sense? So he already pronounces judgment on the one who did such a thing. And when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, and you are to deliver this man to Satan. How do you deliver a man to Satan? For the destruction of the flesh. The idea is, even Old Testament, what would they do? How do you deliver someone to Satan? It was the same idea as like the, the goat. Remember the goat that they would send out to the, the deserts? The same concept. You're being kicked out of the group. Why? Because this is holy ground, right? And the sin has to be kicked out of here. And it's the same concept. So it's either UPS or that. So you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. For what? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So notice, this isn't so much to damn him to death, but it is to get rid of this person. So what, will, what we're seeing, and remember, this is the first John thing. There are some sins that lead you to death. And how can, how can a sin lead you to, to death? Well, obvious. I mean, there are just certain things that are just beyond, you know, a line. There's, there's just certain things you, can, you can't do. Or else it's just going to take you to this extreme place and you're going to get kicked out. You get kicked out of the circle. You get kicked out of church. And, and some will get bitter and upset. Well, what can I do about that? There are just certain things that are not tolerable, like the First Corinthians 5 situation. Does that make sense? So I hope you guys connect back to... Ananias and Sapphira, and we'll get there in a moment here. We'll kind of read back some of those things. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 10. And it's funny, I mean, once we do some searching here, it is actually all through the New Testament. It's, it's all over the place. And though there's grace, and that is the key, and thank God for that, there will be some things that are just outside the boundaries of, of okay, of normal, right? Like, what if, what if there's a child molester amongst us, okay? God forbid, you know? That's, that's just an ugly situation. That actually makes me very mad just to even think that. But what if you have someone like that? Well, in some cases, they, they may need to be kicked out. Some cases. Do, do you see what I just said? Some cases. That's going to be between the pastor and, and the spirit, you know, really, that, that in the big picture. But if this is a practicing, you know, child molester, that is not accepted even by crazy people. It's a similar idea as 1 Corinthians 5. Do you see it? It, it lines up? You guys can see that? If, if that's what they think, if that to them is okay and normal, that, yeah, that's a pretty fair case. That's a good case to say, you know what? You are cut off. I can't cut you out of heaven. That's between you and God. In fact, that's, that's actually all, all up to God. But not in the circle, because that even the Gentiles, even the outside, even the, uh, the atheists, for the most part, I think, would call that crazy. I don't know, some of them might not, but it's still, it's still considered not okay. And I agree with that. I mean, that's just a, one example off the top, man. And a good extreme, okay? A good extreme to give you a picture. All right, Hebrews 10, you guys there? Verse 26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What does that mean? It's a similar concept. Because you despise the word of the Lord, you're being rebellious. It's an extreme. It's a very, very extreme place. It's not the guy who lies because they didn't go to the, for, for work. It's not that. There, there is a point, and that's a scary thing. Remember that study you had, this is years ago, there was a study that came out, the likelihood of, of a man becoming gay because of how many people he had had sex with, something like that. It was This was probably like seven years ago. I guess they had found some study that uh, a man who had had sex with a lot of women had a higher likelihood of becoming gay. The, the idea I'm trying to take from that is, man, again, there's a line where is it's just too much, where you, you'll, you'll go into these extreme places. And that's what I'm talking about, these extreme places. Ananias and Sapphira, it's an extreme place. And, and we're going to come back to that. Uh, so, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a, a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Do you see the extremity of that? Do you see it's not the guy who lied, okay? It's not that guy, okay? It's not, it's not the guy who hit somebody, okay? It's not that guy. Look at that last line. That, that's what the issue is. The one who trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified, and has outraged the spirit of grace. That is an extreme. That is exactly what we saw in the Old Testament. That's high hand. That is high-handed actions right there. Despises the word of Lord, clearly, and that is extremely rebellious. And the problem, the real problem is they don't repent. They will not repent. In fact, they refuse to repent. Do you see the extreme? They're, they're not repenting. This is right in your face kind of stuff, all right? High-handed. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Here's another good one. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. These are all the different churches, right? In this uh, specific church, Thyatira. Verse 18 says, and to, the angel, uh, and to the angel of the Lord in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like bur burnished uh, bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. That's an issue. You tolerate the intolerable. You're not supposed to tolerate that kind of stuff. What was Jezebel? She's rebellious. Unrepenting. You guys know the story of Jezebel. We don't have to go there. She's unrepenting. She's clearly going against the word of God. She's got her own agenda. That, that's high-handed. It's my way. Does that make sense? Do you see what happened? You don't tolerate that. And that's the idea of Ananias and Sapphira. That's what the Spirit's doing. I don't tolerate that kind of stuff. And again, we're going to go back to it, but I want you guys to see it's, it's all through throughout the Bible. Last one, we'll go to Romans chapter 1. And remember, let me say it again, this has nothing to do with, with your salvation. This is not a salvation issue, okay? But God has limitations on stuff. Look, well, what is the real issue? The real issue is the end. Remember we talked about this? The whole point is, if you're going to stand in the way of the end of that picture of how it's going to work, if you're trying to mess that part up, because remember, the end's going to happen whether you like it or not, right? Jesus is going to come whether you like it or not. When? We don't know. It's, that's not important. But if you are going to try to mess up any of that, as it's been foretold, good luck, buddy. Good luck. You will get cut off. How do you do that? You go to this extreme. It's an extreme place. And we know the story here in Romans chapter 1, right? They, uh, in fact, verse 25 says, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable uh, passions, for their women exchanged natural relations, on and on. We know the verses. And uh, the men likewise gave up natural relations, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up 
to a debased uh, mind to do what ought not to be done. It's, a, it's just another extreme. Look, if you deny God long enough, there just comes that point where, all right, man, that's what you want. I'll give it to you. That's what God's doing. And the scary part is I bet in some cases, maybe a lot of cases, the ones who have that kind of spirit, they won't even sense it. They won't even be bothered by it because it's an un unrepenting heart. It won't even bother. That's scary. It won't even bother them. So they were filled with all manner, verse 29, of unrighteousness, evil, on and on, all these, you know, negative words, right? Envy, murder, strife. 31 says foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. There's your list right there. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Guys, that's not normal. They're practicing evil and giving others the okay to practice evil. Do you see the picture? It's, it's similar to 1 Corinthians 5. Not quite that extreme, but it's the same thing. You're sleeping with your father's wife and everyone's high-fiving you? We have a problem, guys. Do you see the picture? So all extremes, all these cases are very extreme. So let's go back to Acts 5. Um, if we don't know, you know some of these other aspects of the Bible, we can read over this and say, well, wait a minute, what happened to the whole salvation thing? I thought we're, we're all... We're all, we're all forgiven. Well, yeah, you are forgiven, but, that, but that's two different arguments. You're talking salvation. We're not talking salvation here. So Acts 5, 1, a man named Ananias, we'll just kind of go over it again. His wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. And lays it in front of the apostles' feet, verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Notice what happened. Notice the words. Satan has filled your heart to lie. So is lying... Hellworthy? No. But who did you lie to? The Holy Spirit. Satan, lie, Holy Spirit. Keywords, okay? Just, just bringing those out for you. And to keep back for yourself the proceeds of the land. So was, was the issue the, the proceeds of the land? Of course not. Verse 4, remember, explains all that. It was yours. It, you owned it. And you had it. You had the choice to give it or not. You just had to be honest, man. Just tell us. That's all you had to do. You weren't supposed to lie. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down, breathed his last breath, and, and he dies. Now, why is this lying different than all the, you know, our lying, your lying, my lying? Think of the picture. When you're bringing your proceeds, you're bringing it to us, to all of us. And you're supposed to be doing this in the name of the, in the, name of the Lord, right? In the name of God. So when you're lying, in this case, it's Satan who has tempted him to lie. To who? The Holy Spirit. And now you're making a spectacle in front of everyone. God is not going to stand for that. See, it wasn't just a lie. It wasn't just proceeds. It's what you did when you did it. Right now is the beginnings of the church. It's, it's just starting, right? The spirit just fell. 3,000, 5,000, all extreme things are happening. You just stood in the way of the Holy Spirit, dude. And you try to make a spectacle of God right now in front of everybody. You deserve death. It's an extreme case. It, didn't ha it doesn't happen like that again after this, does it? It doesn't. Without this specific moment, you, you were not supposed to do that. And the issue was you could have kept it. You, should, you just say, you keep it. If you want to keep it, keep it. But don't come in here and lie to the spirit because the spirit, God had his plan. And you're trying to mess with that. That's where the high-handedness came in. That's where, dude, now you're actually despising the word of God. You're coming and making a spectacle of him in front of everybody? Shame on you. And God's making an example of you. Sorry, dude. But later what happens, it's not that extreme, right? Why? Because the church is already established now. Things are happening with Paul, 1 Corinthians 5, we just read it. God doesn't kill the guy, but he says, well, kick him out so Satan gets him. He might die. He might die of natural causes, but he might not, not die of natural causes. I don't know. So do you notice it gets less extreme, but right now it's very critical. You don't mess with things right now. You can't stand in the way. It's very important that you don't do that. And I said, Sapphira, sorry, guys, you guys are examples of standing in the way of God. That's what happens. 
especially when it's a critical moment. So, wow, that was a lot to, to explain there. But anyway, that's the first part for you. Let's just keep going, verse 12 here. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Isn't that funny? People hold them in high esteem, but they don't want to be around them. Yeah, welcome to Christianity. There you go. And more, <laughs> and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even uh, carried out uh, the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. It's it's uh, it's a funny situation. I've, I've I guess I I think this is a Catholic belief. They try to connect this as if it's some sort of Catholic proof that see this is why Peter is is supposed to be the Pope because even his shadows can heal. But then again, you go to Acts nineteen. And just take a look at it really quick. Acts 19, 11. I'm only, only going to read like two verses. Acts 19, 11 and 12. And God was doing uh, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. <laughs> uh, so that even handkerchiefs, aprons that has uh, touched the skin were carried away to the sick and, and uh, their diseases left them. So I don't think that's a good argument because Peter's not the only one who can do these kinds of miracles. Even Paul can do them. In fact, we can do them. If God sees it fit, if God wants these miracles to happen, they'll happen through us. Because God has no limitations, we do. Uh, anyway, I don't know. That was like a side comment. I don't remember why I even read that now, but but they, they some have used this as a as an argument. Ah, see, Peter, his his shadow can heal, so that's why he, part of the reason why he's pope. That's proof. No, it's not. No, it's not. But it, it is also an amazing moment. It's like wow, even the shadow, man. That's that's pretty cool. But that just goes to show God's greatness. God doing miracles, and He has no limitations. And you guys know Jesus. Sometimes he touched their face or spit on the ground or spit in their eye. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways. Uh, God's not limited. Verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What's an unclean spirit? You guys know. Demonic, demonic activity, right? Verse 17, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. So this is what, now the second time, I think, they're thrown into prison? And we just barely hit chapter 5. just want you guys to notice these things. Verse 19, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. This goes to the point of the Ananias and Sapphira thing. There's a connection here. Not, not to the event, but how serious this moment is. Nothing is going to stand in the way of the Lord in this moment because it's that critical. So you know what? If the jail doors are going to open, they're going to open. You know why? Because I got work to do. Got to want something done. Right now it's going to get done. And if you're in the way, sorry, Ananias and Sapphira, you messed up. Get out of the way. In this case, it's the jail jail cell, the jail doors. They're going to open. You know why? Because God has a, is, in, is in a critical moment and he's got to get this job done. So in one case, there's death. In another case, there's freedom. Isn't that crazy? But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. What's this life? Your good life now? Your best life now? No. Did you say this life? Say something else? Yeah. What's this life? The resurrection. That's what that is. No, not your best life now. Oh my goodness. Go and stand in the temple and speak to people all the words. The temple. It's not church. What's the temple? Why, why go to the temple? What's at the temple? Guys, who goes, who goes to the temple back in those days? Yeah, the people of the day. But what was the issue with the people in the temple? The people in the temple were lost. He's basically saying, go to the place where everyone's at and speak the words of this life, which is the resurrection. Go over there, my lost sheep, and get them and tell them about this. That's, that's what this is. 
Do you see why the jail do doors open? Do you see when God wants something done, it's going to get done and the jail doors will open. It's not going to be because I deserve it and I'm a nice guy or any of that stuff. Unless you're innocent, you know, outside of that, the jail doors will even open. You know, if God gives you a message, if God gives you something, walk in that. I mean, truly, this is, this is just a testimony for us to look and say, man, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it takes. If God, if I'm confident that God told me to, to say this, in this case, to go in and, and speak this, this truth, then do it. God will back you. God will take care of you. He's not going to desert you, especially in a case like this. He doesn't. He doesn't do it here. But you better make sure it's. You better make sure it's God. It better not be you or or something that's in it for you. That's that's probably the critical part. Uh, and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. They do exactly what is commanded of them. You see that? That's why the do the jail doors open because <laughs> they're going to go do it. And think about it. Think think of the issue. I was just jailed for what you're telling me to do. Do do. Get that? You have to comprehend that. Because they, they just did that. They're healing and then they're jailed. Okay, I'm going to open the doors. You're going to get out and I want you to do it again. What? Yes. That's what it takes. That's what it took, especially in these days. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers, verse 22, when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Uh-oh. Verse 24. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Exactly what they were told to do. They did. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So that, that's interesting. Look at that. Now, now the people, they, they would be rooting for them. So that's an uh, interesting point there. Verse 27. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. So God tells you to do a job. You go out there and do it just the way God told you to do it, and then you get called back in right after coming out of jail. Guys, this is Christianity. Again, this is an extreme case. Probably not going to happen this extreme to us, at least today, at least yet. All right? But you keep doing it. You don't stop. I think I have an issue with this today. Christianity doesn't have this anymore. A lot of a lot of Christianity doesn't have this anymore. Oh, well, we hit a wall. Oh, man, well, I'm going to stop. No, if God told you to do it, aren't you confident about what God told you to do? Well, if you're not, then leave. Yeah, get out of here. We don't need you. But if you are confident, you better find a way around that wall. Lord, there's a wall here. Didn't see this one coming, but what do you want me to do? And notice I didn't, I didn't go and try to pulverize the wall. Lord, what do you want me to do with this wall? He might say, wait. He might say, climb it. He might say, pulverize it. I don't know. Ask him. Ask him. Every step of the way, ask. So, verse 27, when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and then the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Remember the, the whole this name thing? Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So, man, you're, you're going to blame the Jesus thing on us? Uh, yep. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. That is underlined and highlight worthy. And that is so true. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers, no, get this guys. Remember we've been talking about the connection with Jesus and the Old Testament and the God and the, and the forefathers. Look, here it is again. The God of our fathers raised Jesus. What? Here's another connection, guys. He's letting them know this is the guy we've been waiting for. I'm going to make it very, very evident. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, 
whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. This is, I think, the third time we've heard something almost to the word for word like that. If it's not word for word, it's pretty darn close. Two things happen. I connect Jesus to the Old Testament, to God, that Yahweh, that one that we all follow. And then this is the same guy you guys crucified. Three times. Three times already. The guys won't stop. They're, they're relentless, right? So you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. What does that mean? God exalts him at his right hand. That means you're on the same level. Do you see the connection? They're making it very, I mean, their ears are, have to be perking up at this point. Like, what do you mean? He's on the same level? Yes, exactly. He's on the same level. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And there's some gospel for you, right? I mean, th this, is, this is the promise. You get this. You get, you get this if you ask for it. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. All right, this is Christianity, guys. This is Christianity. Not everyone likes you. In fact, some people hate you, even in this country, believe it or not. Now, you want to see God's like perfect plan. The next verse is like crazy. Watch. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel. Now, you guys know Gamaliel. Gamaliel is you know, Paul's teacher, right? This guy's, a, this guy's a very smart man in his day. In fact, it says something similar. A teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. So this, this guy, you know, he's, he's a big dude, right? He's a big guy. They're going to listen to this guy. When he speaks, people listen. Look at how God works the plan. God gets Peter and his guys at a place. They're jailed. Jailed, they come out. And now I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're going right back to jail. Dude, that, that, they're done. No, wait, no, now the people are believing. And now I can't jail these guys. Oh, man, what are we going to do? And then Gamaliel, not a Christian. The guy's not a Christian. The guy's a Jew, right? G Gamaliel is a Jew. Peter was a Jew before he became Christian, right? Or a believer. Listen, and this is genius, by the way. This is, that's God's doing here. So here's Gamaliel, a teacher of, of law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. Hang on, let, let's talk for a second, guys. That's what he's saying. And he said to them, so Gamaliel is talking to the Pharisees, to the guys there. He says, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with, this, with these men. For before these days, Judas rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. So Thutis and his guys are nothing, right? They, they fell apart. Verse 37, After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So that's two people, right? Verse 38, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Gamaliel, dude, you're a genius. Yeah, if it's men, we've already seen it fail twice. There's two examples for you by, by name. But if it's men, it'll fail. Don't worry about it. Verse 39, but if, it, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Gamaliel is a Jew, but he's smart. He's willing to say, all right, let's give this guy a chance because if it's God, we're not going to be able to stop this. Don't send in his way. And if it's not, it's going to work itself out. Don't worry about it. Man, that's that's... That's pure, that's wisdom, man. That is, that is a wise man. I mean, just in his couple statements, you're like, wow, that's a very, very smart move. So if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. What a smart man. Verse 40, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. Of course, you've got to beat them, right? And charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. Gosh, man, I wish we had more of that, man. Rejoicing 
to suffer. To suffer what? The dishonor for what? Does yours say the name? For the name. That's one more occurrence for you guys, guys, for us here. Old Testament. What would they, what's, what is the name? Hashem. They wouldn't say Yahweh. They would never say Yahweh. It was either Adonai or Hashem. If you said Hashem, we know who you're talking about because there's no other Hashem. Here's another occurrence for any Jew listening, or in this case, reading. Are you talking about the same Hashem that I'm thinking of? Yep. Guys, if I said McDonald's, you already got a picture in your head. Maybe your stomach growls and maybe you're thinking McRibs just like me. That's a bad example, but it's, a, it's the same trigger that happened to you right now when I said McDonald's. Hashem. Yeah, it's the same trigger. It's the same thing that just happened. So tiny little things in here sometimes, right? But in fact, I'll, I'll read this to you really quick. Don't turn there, but just a quick verse. Leviticus 24, 11 says, uh, And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. It literally says it, the name, Hashem. What, what name? So the Israelite woman brings his son because he blasphemes Hashem, that name. Another occurrence of Psalm 113, verse 2 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we talked about the whole the name thing, right? It, just more occurrences, just, just a reminder for you guys. Blessed be the name. There's something about that name, right? So Hashem, they're, they're, it's a big deal to these guys. Verse 42, we'll finish it here. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So again, guys, it's all, it's all similar. It's, it's all the same stuff. You see that connection, God, Hashem in this case, Christ, connecting, connecting, connecting. Guys, it's, it's this guy. He is the guy we've been waiting for. And in case you forgot, let me tell you the gospel one more time. We heard it three times. Peter does it three times now. These guys are relentless. They're, how does it say it? They did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. That's how you get stuff going. And guess what? If Peter didn't do it, and which later we'll see, Peter didn't do it, guess what? God's going to raise somebody else up. You cannot. Gamaliel said it best. I have to repeat how he says it because that was just, oh man, like hit the spot. It's literally right above, like in a couple of verses, I can't even find it. But the idea of, look, you're not going to be able to withstand it. You're not going to be able to withstand it. If it's God, you're not going to be able to stand in the way. It's the idea. So don't. Just don't stand in the way. And if it's not God, don't worry about it. It's going to fall apart, just like the other ones. We'll stop there. We'll go to Acts 6 next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.